Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. Well, today, as we've said, is Father's Day, a day that we celebrate fathers, as I mentioned, and their impact on their children and families. And as I'd mentioned, that extends to our church family as well. And so, of course, I get this great idea. Why don't I look at fathers of the Bible and and talk about one of them and, and show what a father should be like? What better place to start than the beginning? So I started in Genesis, and the first father, of course, is Adam. Adam. He had many sons and daughters, but as we know, his first son was Cain, and his second son was Abel. Then we get to Genesis 4, chapter 8, we read, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So maybe starting with Adam wasn't the best idea. <laughs> Something didn't go right at some point in time there. So I decided to move on to the next major father figure in the Bible. And in Genesis 6, verses 9 and 10, we read, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Well, now we're talking. A righteous man. He walked with God. Perfect. This is who we'll look at. And we know the story. Noah built the big boat. He built the ark. Got all the animals on board. Got his kids on board, their wives on board, survived the flood, and they all lived happily ever after, right? <laughs> it's not exactly how it went. See, sometime after the flood, Noah became a farmer, and he uh, planted a vineyard. And maybe once the uh, grapes fermented, he drank a little bit too much, passed out in his tent, and ended up cursing Ham's son, Canaan. So again, something happened there. Something didn't go quite right. So let's go on to the next father. Abram, or Abraham, as we kind of know him best. We know he had many sons. He was a father of the nation, father of many. But his first two sons, of course, that whole didn't start off so good, did it? Ishmael and Isaac, well, it didn't start off well, and today their descendants are still fighting. So again, something didn't go quite right. But how about Isaac's son then, Esau and Jacob? Yeah, remember this? When Jacob tricked Esau into getting, or tricked Israel, uh, Isaac into getting Esau's birthright blessing? Once again... Didn't work out so well. But Jacob, now Jacob had 12 sons. Surely there was at least one that was good. And there was, Joseph. But the other 11 wanted to kill him and sold him into slavery. <laughs> so we kind of, now we're kind of through the end of Genesis and we're still up in the air. I, I skipped over Lot's situation because that is just, yeah. And actually this morning I read a... Uh, they call it the brick Bible. It's like a Lego Bible. I read through the entire Genesis to Emmeline, and it was funny because all these stories were in there. These were the, 
these were the highlighted stories and and uh, it's just like yeah these were all father figures and and they walk with God but bad stuff happened so I'm getting to the end of Genesis now as I'm trying to come up with this message and here we find something interesting Jacob is at the end of his life and Joseph and his two sons Manasseh and Ephraim go back to see Jacob and there's some brief conversation there and again in, in Genesis 48 verses 15 16 I found something finally stuck out at me it was there the whole time it was there with Abraham it was there with Isaac it was there with uh, Noah as well as Adam but it was a blessing here we read in Genesis 48 then Jacob blessed Joseph and said May the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. So it's at this point, as I'm almost to the end of Genesis, that I realize that Genesis isn't necessarily focusing on the fathers, but on the blessings of the father to his sons in particular. Abraham gave a blessing. Isaac gave a blessing. Jacob gave a blessing. Formal blessings to their children, and in Jacob's case to some of his grandchildren there, Manasseh and Ephraim. See, then receiving a blessing from one's father was a very high honor. And losing that blessing was tantamount to a curse. And in particular, in the Old Testament, the blessing of a father to his sons included words of encouragement. It also detailed, it gave details about their inheritance that the sons would get. But also prophetic words about their future. And that's what I want to look at today, are the blessings of a father. See, being a father means forming and nurturing another human being. And a powerful tool to do that is the blessing. A father's blessing is speaking the word of God over their children. And as we saw from Jacob's blessing, it doesn't necessarily have to be your child, but it could be your grandchild. And that's the case for many of you today. Now, there are many blessings in the Bible. But one that jumps out at me is Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and God will make your, straight your paths. Who doesn't want that for their children? Trust God. Let your feet be led by God's paths. As I said in Scripture, a blessing is the greatest gift a parent can give their child. It defines who that child will be when they grow up, what they will get. In the 49th chapter of Genesis, it says, The blessings of your parents are mighty beyond the blessings of the eternal mountains the bounties of the everlasting hills. 
See, people of courage, people of faith, people of integrity don't just come out of nowhere. The Apostle Paul was like a father to the church in Ephesus. And he writes to them, he says this. This is, this is the scripture that I really want to focus on today. is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to the end. He writes this blessing to a church. And he considered that church his children. Because he started these churches. And, and that's why I said at the beginning, the people that started this church, aside from Dave, nobody's even related to them. I doubt when these stained glass windows were put in place, anybody was here. That would have been the late 40s, maybe, but I doubt it. But to us, this is how we know the church. But someone built this church. People built this church. Our church fathers built it here. And that's what Paul was to the church in Ephesus. And he prays this blessing to them. He says, I pray according to the riches of God's glory that God may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through the Holy Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Now that's a prayer. I mean, that is a blessing. And can you imagine what a difference that would make if you said that over your child or your grandchild? And they hear that in their minds every night as they drift off to sleep. And typically, if you read the blessings of the Old Testament, the hand of the father or the grandfather, in the case of um, Jacob, is placed on the child's uh, forehead or, or the grandchildren's forehead. They feel that hand on their head. They hear our voice praying that God would strengthen them, that God would dwell within them, that God would fill them beyond all fullness with the love of Christ. And this isn't just a one-time prayer. I'm sure that Paul prayed this for all of his churches that he uh, planted. He prayed it over and over again, I'm sure. Because some blessings take time to root. Let's listen to that again. I pray that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through the Holy Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. It needs our faithfulness. When we remember to bless others, to bless life, we can repair things. We can repair relationships. Ultimately, if we were all doing this, we could repair the world. And there's a lot of problems right now. We nurture the heart. We nurture the depth of the spirit. And this isn't a prayer that happens right away. Sometimes you're in that emergency situation, Lord, get me through this situation. And that's all you need to do it. Just a quick prayer like that, get me through this. But other prayers take time. Rooted and grounded in love. Many of us have probably planted gardens here in the past couple weeks. And it takes time. You don't plant a seed and get the flower the next day or get the tomato the next day. It takes weeks and months. The fruit of a growing soul 
doesn't appear all at once or overnight either. It takes time. That prayer, that blessing needs to sink into them, water their spirit, grow inside them. A prayer that they will understand in time as it forms their very character and expectation of life. Those Old Testament blessings, as I said, kind of give details of the inheritance that those kids or grandkids will get. They didn't get that right then and there, but they knew that they were going to get this. So that was always in their mind, and they were working towards that. It takes time being rooted and grounded. But can we imagine what a difference it would make in our children's lives? Maybe our stepchildren or grandchildren or the neighbor's kids, whoever we're around, that we're that father figure too. Let them know that they are loved enough that we pray for them like that. And sure, I'm sure we pray that, oh, you know, that you'll be a good little girl, that, uh, you know, things like that. But, but also that she'll, they'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of God. And sure, we, we, play, we pray that you know, we'll, they'll do well in school and, and all these short-term things, get them through this test or, or whatever's coming up. But we need to pray that they will come to know the breadth, the length, the height, and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that they may be filled with the fullness of God. And we're missing that today. Even, even among many of the, the churches, we're missing people that are filled with the love of God. We have a lot of people, although it is, is declining here in the United States, that, that associate with or Christianity. But you see some of their actions and hear some of their language and you think, and it's not you know, just a one-off, it's consistently they do that. They consistently speak like that. Is the love of Christ in them? But that's what we need to pray for our children so they grow up and have an effect on this world. The love of Christ is in them. That's expansive. That's powerful. That's a prayer that molds a life. And we reinforce that. When they have that in their brains, they hear that over and over again. Repetition. That's a prayer of blessing to them. And that is what that scripture in Genesis I was talking about claims is mightier than eternal mountains, more bountiful than everlasting hills. It's your blessing. It's a blessing from the Father to the Son. And again, the blessing is usually spoken aloud. As I mentioned, the, the hands are usually on the head of the child not around their neck, but on their head. That's not the time. That's, that's a different prayer. And it's not, you know, it's not a time to just say, oh, they'll, they'll pick up their faith from me. I take them to church, and they hear the stories and things like that, and, and they'll watch me. No, we say these words out clearly, powerfully, so they can hear every syllable. We don't say it across the room. We don't make a big spectacle of it. It's a private moment. It's an intimate moment. It's a physical type of prayer. 
Much like sometimes when we anoint someone with, with oil up here, we come up and everyone tries to lay their hands on that person. It's very intimate and oftentimes emotional. That's what it would be like as well for the child. Placing your hand on their head or holding their hands, gentle but firm and strong. Showing the authority that you love and care for them and are providing for them. It's not an insignificant gesture. It's a gesture of power. And we do it to strengthen them and to bless them. The words we speak to them, a glimpse of what God has planned for them, a glimpse of what God is creating inside of them. Maybe it will be a woman of courage and compassion, a man of integrity and hope, a mother and father. God's children, God's people, formed by our continual prayer of blessing. Listen to Paul's blessing one more time. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. And as I say it, imagine someone in your life that maybe you'd like to pray this over today. I pray, by riches of God's glory, that God will strengthen you in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your heart as you are being rooted and grounded in love. That's a powerful blessing, a powerful prayer. And this prayer of Paul in Ephesians ends with these words, Now to God, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to God be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forever. Amen. This is our blessing for our kids, but the power is from God. And where is that power? In his church. Not just his physical building, which is where we're at here today. And we come here to, to hear the word of God, to be rejuvenated, to go back out into the, the world this week and, and carry Christ with us. But the church... The power of God is in the church. That's his people. That is his people. But it's far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine. And he says, amen. And we, don't, we, we say amen all the time, don't we? But what amen really means, it's a Hebrew word, and it's just transliterated into English for us. But it means, actually the Hebrews kind of say it, amen, amen. And it means let it be or may it be so. And oftentimes they say it, the, the Hebrews, uh, they would say it twice to, to emphasize it. May it be so, may it be so, let it be so, let it be so. And that's what we want. May our desires be wide and true and faithful enough to be worth praying for. May our blessings extend beyond even our own understandings. And may our own souls be broadened in the speaking, in the nurturing, in the creation of the world through the blessing of another person. And I challenge you and encourage you to do that. If you are with your, 
And it's not just necessarily for fathers. I, I geared this to a Father's Day message. And in particular, with the um, societal structure of the Old Testament, the father figure was, was the head. As we've mentioned before, women uh, had a much lower rating in society. Um, but today, the blessing can come from anybody. But give that blessing to somebody. Give it to a, a child, a grandchild, whoever you think needs it that looks up to you, and that you have some authority over. I encourage you to do that. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to the end is a powerful blessing. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may we truly be a blessing to not only our children today and this week, but to all those that we come into contact with. May Christ dwell in our hearts. And it's in the name of the one whose blessing will never let us go. Amen.